Hello, and welcome to episode 35 of Sam Splaining Science. I'm Sam. I'm your host. I'll be Sam Splaining the Science. And today we're talking about cursing or swearing or whatever the frick you want to call it. Let's get into it. Hey, everyone. How are you? I hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Um, I wanted to talk about a couple of things before we jump into the episode. The first thing is that this week was Halloween, so I hope you all had a fun Halloween. Um, I bought way too much candy for trick-or-treaters that never showed up. And it kind of sucked because I purposely bought candy that I wouldn't eat because I was like, if I buy candy that I like, it's not going to last until Halloween. So I bought candy, like I bought Twizzlers and like Jolly Ranchers and candy that's like, it's candy, it's fine, but it's not my favorite. Um, But then no trick-or-treaters came. So now I'm stuck with like a crap ton of Twizzlers. Whatever. It's fine. I'll deal. I'll survive. Somehow I will survive. Somehow I will get through it. Um, But your thoughts and prayers are appreciated at this time. Um... (laughs) I just wish they were Kit Kats, that's all. Or Snickers, or Twix. Twix, I wish it was Twix. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) that's not so important. The real important thing that I wanted to talk about before we get into the episode was that this week I voted. Um, Midterm elections are this coming Tuesday, Tuesday, or if you're listening to this when it's released. Um, Election day is Tuesday, November 8th, 2022. Uh, I live in a state that offers early voting, so I voted on Sunday, and it felt great to practice my civic duty. And I encourage my American listeners who are registered to vote to make their voting plans now. If they haven't done so already, make sure you have a plan in place for when you're going to vote and how you're going to vote and where you're going to vote, and you can make that plan by going to IWillVote.com, and I'll link it in the description. Um, So if you haven't voted yet, pause, pause the episode, go to IWillVote.com, figure it out. Figure it out now so that you can get it done because your vote matters and your voice matters. So do that first and then come back. Um, And if you did cast your vote already, welcome to the club. Isn't it great? It feels good. It feels pretty good. Um, So yes, make sure that you vote in this election. It's very important and, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a privilege that we have as Americans to have a say in our government. So do what you can. All right. Speaking of voting, queen of segues here, speaking of voting, the topic of this week's episode was decided by the very democratic process of an Instagram poll. So I put a poll on Instagram at Sam Splaining Sci. If you're not following, you can follow there. And um, I asked what should be Sam Splain this week. And the majority of voters asked for the science of swearing that came in first place. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And then we'll do second place next week. Um, but in deciding the title for this episode, of course, my brain went to that episode of SpongeBob where Spongebob and Patrick find like the swear word on the back of the <laughs> the dumpster and it's like a dolphin noise, like a dolphin chirp. 
And Patrick's like, this is a sentence enhancer. And then they just walk around town, like, chirping like a dolphin. But apparently it's, like, an expletive. Um, and there's that one part where they walk up to Squidward and they're like, hey, Squidward, how the... You know, I, I can't do the sound. Maybe I'll look it up. Hold on. I'll pull it up quick. <laughs> oh, brother. Technical difficulties. Let's fill the noise. Well, let's fill the, the silence, I mean, with noise. How the dolphin noise are ya? <laughs> My Google history... <laughs> Honestly, the FBI can have it. They <laughs> they can have it. It's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm really not hiding anything except for, you know, SpongeBob. Oh, did I screw that up? Hold on. It's all good. All right. I'm, it's going to play through my headphones, so I think I have to... Oh, my God. It's so loud. Hold on. Let me put my headphones on the microphone so that everybody can hear it. Ready? So that's what inspired the title of this episode. <laughs> that was just a little peek into up here, what's going on up here in my brain. Um, <laughs> anyway, without further ado, let's get into today's questions. Um, <laughs> today's episode, we have two questions. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, today's episode, we have two questions. The first one is, what is the scientific consensus on swearing? Um, so for this question, I use two review articles, which are linked below, um, just to kind of get an idea of like what kind of research has been done about swearing and like what do we know about it in like terms of science. Um, so those are like more general overview questions, I guess. Um, but then the second question gets a little more specific and we're gonna look at a specific original research article to answer the question, does swearing help manage pain? So let's get into it. So for question one, the scientific consensus of swearing, I'm referencing an article by Van Lankett and Cummings from 1999, which is not that long ago, right? Um, as you probably are aware, swearing or cursing or using expletives is a part of like communication, language, and behavior. And the study that's linked here um, lists out the most common swear words in like normal occurrences. Um, it's like they cite studies that looked at the most frequently used swear words in college students, the most frequently used swear words in like people over 45 or whatever. And they basically summarized it in a table. Um, I'm not gonna repeat them at this time, but I'll tell you when you're older. <laughs> they rhyme with um, duck and um, fit and gram. Um, there were a lot that were mentioned, actually, but that's beside the point. 
um, I just thought it was funny because I've never seen like a table full of expletives in a scientific research article. Um, but anyway, uh, there actually has been a lot of linguistic, I guess, work and research done on swearing and expletives, so much so that they're able to classify types of swears or types of curses, right? So some swears are deistic, deistic, deistic. They're like religion-based. Um, and then others are more visceral or like related to body functions or like outside things. Um, the article also says that men swear more than women. Okay. <laughs> Not if they know me. Um, and another interesting thing that I learned from this article, or that I, I guess I kind of knew it, but then they explained it, and I was like, yeah, that makes sense, um, is that learning to swear or, like, not to swear happens very early on in language development. Um, and they say this both, I mean, it makes sense when you're a kid and you say a bad word and your parents are like, don't say that, you know? You learn the idea of, like, a swear word early on in your development, but then they also mention that people who are bilingual or who learn multiple languages, they learn the concept of like curses or swear words early on in their um, language learning as well. Um, so it's like kind of, I don't know, you learn, you learn what damn it means before you learn what like nephron means. You know what I mean? So it's pretty... Uh, pretty crucial to language development, I would say, even though it's not typically recognized as such. One other thing that was mentioned in this article that I found the most interesting, of course, because it's me, was they talked about swearing in the brain um, and like which parts of the brain are related to like saying and understanding, comprehending swear words. So just some background, I think we've talked about this before, but if you're new, hi, welcome. And uh, a little review for people who maybe have forgotten it. The brain can be divided into hemispheres where basically if you draw a line like through the middle of your head, like the middle of your forehead to the back of your head and then split that open, you'll have like a left hemisphere and a right hemisphere. And for the most part, they're like, the same <laughs> like there's this there's a frontal cortex in your left and your right hemisphere and there's you know a hippocampus on your left and your right side but sometimes some functions have what we call laterality which is basically a preference for a hemisphere um, and we see this actually some studies have shown this with language where the left hemisphere um, kind of favors most linguistic behaviors right so the left hemisphere uh, is responsible for or is active for syntax and composing and understanding sentences and words um, in, in speech and in like reading and like comprehension words, uh, other words, synonyms, you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> and then the right hemisphere um, they think is less involved in the sort of like composing comprehension type, 
but are more is more related to recognizing and processing patterns in language and patterns in speech. And one thing that they talked about in the paper that I thought was really interesting was that, um, and maybe I should have mentioned this earlier, that there are a lot of neurological conditions where swearing occurs. So for example, um, in Tourette syndrome, there are people who some of their tics are to say expletives. Um, and, and, and it's almost like in a subconscious pattern that they say these expletives. Um, another example is like some people who have traumatic brain injuries and maybe have severe damage or even a stroke on the left side of their head might have issues with speech or like forming sentences, um, but they don't have a problem with saying swear words or saying expletives or curses. So these types of studies, these types of evidence make scientists believe that potentially the processing of swear words, of expletives, happens more on the right hemisphere than the left hemisphere. So like people who are aphasic, I think it's pronounced, aphasic patients who are either nonverbal or extremely low verbal, oftentimes don't have trouble with swear words either, right? So it's it suggests that there's a different region of the brain, a different area of the brain that plays a role in forming, understanding, like saying swear words. Um, and a lot of the evidence points to it being on the right hemisphere, the right side of the brain, which is pretty interesting, right? Like I expected it to be the same as like other language processing, um, you know, composing and comprehending sentences and words. Um, but apparently that's not the case. And apparently the right hemisphere is the most likely uh, area for the processing of expletives. And in the words of the paper, it says, the right hemisphere likely modulates, quote, motoric production of expletives. Um, so in other words, the right hemisphere is the sentence enhancer station. That's how I took it. So pretty interesting. I looked at another review as well that was published much more recently, just this year in 2022, um, by Stapleton and colleagues. And this looked at the power of swearing and what we know about swearing and what we don't know about swearing. So I'm going to summarize. There's like a portion of the paper that is linked if you want to look at it. Um, that talks about like, it goes through basically what we know about swearing based on previous studies. So this review paper compiled a bunch of research articles that explored swearing in a bunch of different conditions and they sort of organized it in a way to say, here's what we know about swearing and here's where we still need to gather more information. But for the sake of this episode, we're just going to talk about what the science community as a whole knows about swearing. So the first is that swearing has a strong link to emotion, and this is shown through a couple of studies that use fMRI or functional MRI, where they can show that areas of the brain that are responsible for um, processing emotion are lit up or like activated during swearing. 
So this includes areas like the basal ganglia, the amygdala, and other parts of the limbic system in the brain. Those regions are responsible for memory processing and emotion processing. And those are the regions that are activated um, when people swear in an fMRI machine. Um, so it, there's a link to emotion. So in other words, swearing can, or swearing is associated with emotional activation or arousal because the areas of the brain that are responsible for emotion processing are activated while swearing. Um, another thing that we know about swearing is uh, that swear words may produce higher memory recall and require greater attention and cognitive processing than other language stimuli. So the way that some of the studies looked at this is they used a memory task, either reading or listening to a passage or a sentence. And then one passage or sentence included swear words and one included neutral words. And they found that participants performed better on memory tasks when swear words were included versus when it was just normal words. And they say that this is because oftentimes swear were like swear words or expletives garner more attention they kind of like pique your interest a little bit and say like, whoa what did you just say so it's sort of like a since swear words aren't as commonly used when they are used it's like for emphasis emphasis the real ones know anyway um so because swear words like garner more attention it could help with like memory recall and improving memory of, you know, speeches, readings, etc. Um, swearing also increases skin conductance and heart rate, so it suggests that there's autonomic activity that affects the nervous system. So, what does that mean? The paper says that um, swearing can often be thought of as like a threatening stimuli. Um, which makes sense. Like if someone were to curse at you versus just say like, Hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? Versus, Hey, how the hell are you? That's like a little different. And maybe in some connotations and some tones, it can be seen as threatening. And even like we're taught from a young age that like cursing is bad. Right. So I think even if like we do curse regularly, our brains sort of associate cursing with negative things sometimes. Right. So if we think of cursing as a negative or like a threatening stimuli, this could trigger our fight or flight response in our nervous system. And there are a couple things that happen with our fight or flight response. One is that heart rate increases, right? So if we're in a situation where we sense a threat, um, our blood is going to pump or our heart is going to pump more blood to our muscles so we can run away or we can fight or whatever more blood to our brain so we can make decisions and stuff like that. So your heart rate increases when your fight or flight response kicks in. And then in addition to the heart rate increase, there's also um, sweating that happens in the fight or flight response. Sweat is, you know, comes out of your sweat glands and through your skin. Um, sweat is salty and salt on skin leads to greater conductance of the skin. So basically there's more salt on your skin, your skin is more conductive, and that's a way to measure the fight or flight response in addition to changes in heart rate. And for both skin conductance and heart rate, uh, swearing caused greater 
levels of skin, conduct skin conductance and heart rate um, in research participants. So it suggests that swearing has like an effect, like a, a, a bodily effect on our nervous systems. Swearing has also been shown to increase power and physical strength. Um, these st studies have explored this by having participants repeat swear words as like they were performing like weightlifting or whatever. Um, so it improved muscular performance, including strength and power when swear words were repeated versus when um, neutral words were repeated. And then another thing is that swearing can potentially affect interpersonal relationships, either positively or negatively. And swearing can affect per persuasiveness and the credibility of messages. So, I mean, I guess I kind of touched on this a little bit, but like swearing can be potentially offensive or like threatening, right? If it's aggressive or if it's impolite. So that would cause you to maybe have like a negative interpersonal like view of somebody who's like aggressively swearing at you right but also on the other hand it could also be you know just a part of a regular social interaction communication and it could be used for emphasis so it can improve one your connection to other people um, but it can also improve your persuasiveness and your credibility right so it kind of ties into the second point where um, swearing garners greater attention, so it can improve like your the credibility of your messages or like the way that people are paying attention to what you're saying, um, emphasis, all of these things. Um, also, the the paper mentioned that something about like group connection and group dynamics, where like people who choose not to swear or people that do swear typically build community that is similar to them, right? So if you are someone who like does not like swearing, doesn't say curses or whatever, you probably won't be friends with someone who curses every other word because that might not make you comfortable, right? So there's sort of like, when it comes to like interpersonal rela relations, you tend to like stick with the people who like see things the way that you see them and use the same swear words or not use the same swear words that you do or don't use. Um, and then the last point that they mentioned in what we know about swearing is that swearing produces a hypoalgesic effect, which means that swearing decreases the sensitivity to painful stimuli. And this will bring us to our second question that we're going to talk about today. So the second question is, does swearing help manage pain? And for this question, this part of the podcast, we're going to... Um, talk about a paper that was published in 2020 in the Frontiers of Psychology um, by Richard Stevens and Ollie Robertson. And the title of the paper is Swearing as a Response to Pain, Assessing Hypoalgesic Effects of Novel Swear Words. The aim of the study was that they wanted to look at the pain-relieving effects of swear words compared to other, like, control normal, neutral, regular words, boring words. Um, so I'll get into the design in a second, but I do want to put a warning out there right now. I will be swearing, but it's for educational purposes, okay? I will say the F word. I'm not going to bleep it. Sorry, that's too much editing. I'm not going to do that. 
Um, I'm lazy. And it's for educational purposes. Um, but if you're uncomfortable with swearing, you could turn off the podcast. Now, if you don't want to hear me say the F word, turn it off. No, no worries. No judgment. I'll see you next time. I love you. Have a good week. You don't have to listen. But if you're sticking around from here on out, you're going to hear a couple F-bombs. And don't say that I didn't warn you. Okay. Great. So, okay, now that all the losers are gone, I'm totally kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> I crack myself up. Okay. Um, so this study, <laughs> I think it was a total of 92 participants and they had each participant do what we call a cold presser task. And they did this cold presser task four times. What is the cold presser task? It's when a participant puts their hand, their non-dominant hand in an ice water bath and it is a way to stimulate pain in people that's like more ethical than shocking them because you put your hand in ice water I don't know if you've ever done this um, but you put your hand in ice water and you're like oh that's cold and then like you wait a couple seconds and you're like wait this is like actually kind of painful like the more you go the longer you go with your hand in ice water the more you're like oh this hurts this is painful and then eventually you get to a point where you can't take it anymore and you have to take your hand out Okay, so what the, the study design was, was they had participants do this cold presser task four times. And each of the four times, they said four different words. So one time, they said a real swear word. Two times, they said made-up swear words. And then one time, they said a neutral word for a total of four times. And they randomized the order. So like it wasn't like always curse, fake curse, fake curse, neutral word. They mixed it up. Um, so in this case, in this study, the participants put their hand in freezing cold water. It was like four degrees Celsius. They did this four times, and each time they repeated one of four words. The real swear word that they used was fuck, the F word. Sorry, Mom. Um, I think she, well, first of all, she doesn't listen. She doesn't know what a podcast is. Um <laughs> Anyway, so fuck was the real swear word. The first new swear word was fouch. F-O-U-C-H. I can spell. I'm looking right at the word. Fouch. Um, they chose this word fouch because it promotes emotional resonance. That's a direct quote. Um, but I think, I mean, it, it looks like a combination of fuck and ouch, right? It's like fouch. So maybe that it's like, adjacent enough but it's not exactly a curse and it's not exactly like an emotional release of pain or I should say like a vocal release of pain um the second new swear word that they made up was twiz pipe which I personally I'm vibing with twiz pipe I kind of like twiz pipe um they chose this new swear word because it is distracting slash humorous it is pretty distracting because you're like, what? What is a twist pipe? What the? What the f is a twist pipe? Um, so that was the second new swear word that they defined, and then the fourth word was a control word. It was a neutral word to describe the table. So, um, you know, we could say the. F let's say it was wood. 
Okay. So they did the ice presser, the cold presser task four times. And each time that they had their hand in ice water, they were able to repeat one of these four words, either fuck, fouch, twiz pipe, or wood for as long as their hand was in the water. Um, and while their hand was submerged in the water, the researchers measured a couple of things, right? The first thing that they measured was the pain threshold and the pain tolerance. So in this case, they, for the pain threshold, it was basically how long it took for the person to say, oh, this actually hurts a little bit. Like I'm actually feeling some pain Um, because it's not immediate, right? Like if you go into cold water, it's like, ooh, it's a little shock, but it's not like this hurts, right? It gets to a point where it hurts. So they measured the time it took for the person to say, oh, this is painful. That was the pain threshold. The pain tolerance was how long it took for the person to remove their hand from the ice bath and say, I can't take, I can't tolerate this anymore. It's too cold. It's too painful. Right. But meanwhile, keep in mind the whole time they're repeating the word for that trial, whether it was like twist pipe, maybe the first time they did it was twist pipe. So as their, their hand is in water, they're saying like twist pipe, twist pipe, twist pipe until the, the point where they can't, they can't deal with it anymore. They can't tolerate it anymore. And then they remove their hand from the ice water. And then after that happens, they get the measure of the pain threshold, the pain tolerance. Then after they pull their hand out of the ice water, they put it in a room temperature water bath so that they can defrost their little thingies. And while their fingers are defrosting, they're asked questions about um, like questionnaires. So they have like a pain scale rating. And then they also were asked to rate the word that they had just used during the cold presser. So if I was saying twist pipe, twist pipe, twist pipe, and then I pull my hand out and now my hand's in room temperature water, they're gonna ask me three things in particular about the twist pipe word. First, they, they would ask me to rate it for emotion. Does repeating the word twist pipe make me feel an emotion, whether it's excitement or fear or anger or whatever? The second is a rating of humor. Do I find the word twist pipe funny? Did I find repeating the word twist pipe funny? And then the third was a rating of distraction. Did repeating the word twist pipe distract me from my current situation and what was going on, right? So they measured those ratings for each trial, right? And they repeated a trial once per word. So twist pipe, and then maybe they did a control word. And then maybe they did fuck, and then they did fouch. And then they measured the pain tolerance, the pain threshold, the word ratings, and then they also measured the heart rate throughout the entire um, trial as well. Um, but from that, they gathered all of the data that they used to analyze. Okay. I kind of rambled a little bit, but hopefully that made sense. Um, also, let me say one more thing before, because I forgot to say it. Um, so for each of these four uh, trials, right, they get all these measures for each of the four trials. And then they're comparing the curse words, whether it was the real curse word or the two new curse words, to the control, to the neutral word. So they're looking to see, okay, does the word rating, is the word rating for any of the curse words higher or lower than the control word? Is the pain threshold higher or lower? Mm. Is the pain threshold for the twist pipe trial higher or lower than it is for the wood trial? 
right? So they're trying to compare, does the swear, whether it's a real swear word or a fake swear word, um, improve the participant's pain perception more than repeating just a normal control word, neutral word. So in order to make that conclusion, they're going to compare the measurements from the three curse tasks to the measurements from the one neutral task. Okay, so now let's get into the results. So for the word rating results, the study found that the trials that repeated either the real curse word or the two made up curse words, those had higher emotion and higher humor ratings than the neutral word did. So in other words, the participants on average found that fuck, fouch, and twizpipe were all higher, eliciting higher emotional ratings and also higher humor ratings. So they, they felt more emotion and they found it funnier than saying would. Um, that reminds me of that actually. <laughs> the, uh, there was a Boy Meets World, I don't remember the context, but there was something that was like, I don't think this is funny. I think it's the opposite of funny. I think it's wood. Anyway, intrusive thought. We let it pass. Okay. Um, <laughs> so they found that the curse words, whether it was the real curse word or the two made up curse words, had higher emotion and higher humor ratings than the neutral word. However, only the real curse word, only the fuck trial where the participants were able to repeat fuck while their hand was in the ice water had a significantly higher distraction rating than the neutral word did. So the two fake made up curse words, the fouch and the twist pipe weren't more distracting than would, but the real curse word, the fuck trial was more distracting than would. So in this case, the real curse word was the only one that was more distracting than the normal boring word. So that was just based off of like the questionnaires after the trials, right? But now let's get into during the trials. How did they actually perform when they were repeating these words, right? Did, it, did repeating these words affect their performance at all, whether it helped them um, not feel pain for longer, which would mean that they would have a higher pain threshold, or whether it would allow them to sustain the pain longer, which would be a higher pain tolerance. So let's look. In addition to the fuck trial being the only trial that had more significant distracting ratings than the other words, the study found that the pain threshold and the pain tolerance were both significantly higher in the fuck trial um, compared to the wood or like the neutral trial. And they did not find this for Fouch or Twizpipe. So Fouch or Twizpipe did not improve their pain tolerance or their pain threshold at all, but repeating fuck did. Um, so there's something about the real curse word that allowed them to withstand the pain for longer, essentially. And... Um, I think the whole point of this was to see like, okay, well, is it just, is it something about it being a real curse or like a real swear that 
in, like gives you some sort of power to like withstand cold or can it just be like any random words like fouch or twist pipe and here it shows that okay using repeating a real curse word prolongs the time it takes for you to feel pain so like your pain threshold it increases your pain threshold and it also increases your pain tolerance so so from these results, the authors conclude that even though fake swear words that were able to elicit similar emotional and humor ratings, only the true swear word distracted the p- participants enough and increased the pain threshold and elongated the pain tolerance. Um, so the, the fake swear words did not cut it. It was only the true swear word that had the hypoalgesic effect um, on the participants. So what I take away from that is that nothing beats the real fucking deal. So the next time that you stub your toe, don't chicken out. Don't say, oh, sugar. Grow up. Let it out. Say shit and move on because it'll help you deal with your pain if you actually say the real curse word. Don't, Don't give me this, oh, fudge. It's not the same. Science says it's not the same. Let it out. It's just a word. (laughs) Anyway, I thought that was really cool. I thought that was really interesting. Um, It was a fun little experiment. And I love just like, again, it's so weird seeing like a professionally published graph figure with the F word on it. It's like... It's like when you see your teacher outside of school and you're like, what are you doing here? (laughs) It just doesn't belong, but it's there and it's funny. So there you go. Okay. Anyway, let's get to the takeaways from this episode. The first takeaway from this episode is that cursing, not bad, not bad. Well, I will say this. If you don't curse, I respect it. If you prefer not to curse, I, you know, it's totally your choice how you express yourself. And if you choose not to express yourself with swears, that's amazing. And I love that for you. But from what I've gathered from the the review articles that we talked about earlier and from this um, original research article that we just talked about, um, cursing has like some benefits to it, right? Like it, it improves your memory and recall. It increases your power, it stimulates your nervous system, it, you know, creates hypoalgesic effects and it makes you invincible to pain. Not actually invincible to pain, but you know what I mean. Um, So I don't know, I just, it seems like there's a lot of benefits to cursing. So I'm going to take away that cursing isn't that bad. I might be a little biased because I do curse a lot, but that's beside the point. Okay. Um... The other takeaway is challenge accepted, challenge successfully completed. Because I have a feeling that when people voted on Instagram, on the poll, they were like, I want to see if this bitch can make cursing science. I did it. I did it. This is proof that we can make science out of anything. I'm telling you, science is everywhere, everywhere, including in your expletives, in, in, in the inappropriate language that you use. It is a science, baby. Everything is science. Everything. And I'm just glad to be here to be the one to tell it to you, okay? I appreciate it. 
All right. That is all for this week's episode. Please don't forget to follow, rate, and review the podcast wherever you're listening. And you can also subscribe on YouTube, please. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at SamSplainingSci. So connect with me there and ask questions if you'd like. You can also submit your questions at samsplainingscience.com slash ask. So if you have anything that you want Sam explain to you, ask away. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope you learned a little bit and laughed a little bit, and I will talk to you next time. Bye.